Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's topic of the week. My name is Alec, and we have Joshua Cheatham on the line as well. Uh, for today's topic, uh, we're going to be talking about stabilizing Africa. So what we mean by stabilizing Africa is we're talking about fixing everything from politics to economics to stopping the coups to everything and to make Africa a developed and developed kind of region fully, bringing all the countries in for discussions Oh, everything. That's, that's what we mean by stabilizing Africa. And I want to start off by um, applauding the African Union going into G20. Um, for those who watch our latest Global Developments episode on G20. But for the next G20, which will be in Brazil, um, the African Union will be present. And the African Union consists of 55 countries. Um, and they will be in the next kind of conference um, at G20 to talk about economic policy and how to improve Africa and what they're looking for um, for investment. And the first yeah. thing, the first thing that came out of G20 was plans to invest in rail lines. Um, the United States and Europe both want to uh, create better rail systems, better than China in Africa to uh, connect Angola, DRC, and Zambia. And this is just one example of what we can do, the West and pretty much the the world can do to stabilize Africa and how we can improve it throughout just providing just regular humanitarian aid. It's investment. It's things like infrastructure, improving infrastructure, improving market systems, and a whole lot of other economic factors. Absolutely. And, and joining the G20 is the step in the right direction in helping stabilize a region that deserves so, so much from the past of what has happened, we can all acknowledge colonialism is one of the big factors and the reason for its destabilization within the different countries that are making up of Africa. And it's 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 got a beautiful it's a beautiful place. It's got beautiful cultures and beautiful people. And the world tends to ignore Africa and for us, we don't appreciate that. We want to see a prospering world, and that world includes Africa. And so I agree. What they, they, they're discussing in, in, in uh, creating this railway is incredibly important. And I think we can you know start at discussing foreign investment into Africa. One of those ways is to invest in infrastructure, so in, in energy, in uh roads in you know airports and you can look at trains again infrastructure including homes and housing that's so so important in developing africa as a whole and the next one is is creating financial institutions and this includes foreign institutions as well as domestic institutions where there needs to be better banking there needs to be more uh, what do you call them? Investing. There needs to be better. Uh, I think there's only really two things: investing and banking. Those are very important uh, institutions in creating financial institutions and financial markets. Mm -hmm. That that's a very interesting point. The financial institutions one. It kind of goes off of what I was talking about is market systems. And for those not familiar, what I mean by market systems, it's kind of like just think of it as like um, an engine, right? You have your you have your buyers. You have your sellers. Now you need access to global markets. Now you need methods in which the buyer is going to, to sell. How is it going to sell their product to, to the person who wants, to the customer? It's a whole 
everything you can think of from advertising to that's what a market system is how product moves from buyer to seller and everything in between financial institutions i want to talk about that first is huge we need to have we need to teach them how to bank what a banking system looks like what a fair banking is now, i'm not saying give up credit scores get whatever you know i i don't agree i mean credit scores are a good thing but that's a com- conversation for another day but we need <laughs> we need better financial institutions in africa they need people need ways to where they can access to go to their local bank put money in there be able to take out loans be able to use that bank to access global markets because it's how are you going to access other markets how can you buy things outside of um outside of africa how are you going to buy in products you only can do that through financial institutions now I, I don't know if we could just go ahead and set up a chase bank in, in africa but i think the better option is to have have them build their own local banks we don't need global conglomerates in africa i think we should let them build develop and build their own kind of african union bank i mean we they that probably exists already but have each country develop kind of their own national bank in which consumers can go and take loans out and do whatever they need to buy and invest in properties be able to take out loans with low interest rates whatever it is and the second yeah. thing i want to go off of on your point is about foreign direct investment now some people think why why do we need to invest in africa what's in there what's in it for us and it's the return on investment is greater than anyone can imagine that's why all countries like china and russia and many other countries are interested it's cuz they they understand that they can get raw materials out and i'm not saying let's go plunge africa and build some properties and call it a day that's not what i'm saying i'm saying we build stable infrastructure give them information they need to continue building and to continue just kind of learning how economics work all right in exchange for materials which then we can use to reuse and build in Africa again and just keep going that that cycle just kind of keeps going i'm kind of try, trying to picture this in my head just a cycle of like how yeah. how raw that's all i'm trying to explain but it's it's the reason why people like wagner are in there in four countries yeah it, they're, they're plunging africa for the raw materials they're doing it very terribly i mean we could the united states and the european and the rest of the world can just go in there and just pour money into it build up everything i mean look at what's the cap uh angle andorra right uh, what's the capital angola have you seen the uh, you know what i'm talking uh, about right yeah i i know i i know what you're talking about but i'm not too sure what the capital is yeah search up what the capital is. you've seen that one picture where it's this capital of hold on let me see if i can pull it up real quick it's a beautiful country angola, angola. then plenty angola. of research papers on them it's a beautiful country uh, they got a beautiful uh, capital city oh my god yeah it's absolutely gorgeous and it's just i said where is it oh luanda i think it is hold on yeah why doesn't it just tell me like oh luanda right yeah luanda is such a gorgeous i don't know why i said andorra i don't know what i was thinking what what was (laughs) i thinking but luanda right is such a gorgeous city as a result of what happens when countries go in there and i think that's like one of the most expensive places you can go around the world i mean i think like a, a there was there's been tar- remember that one time we had a discussion in class where like a McDonald's meal cost like twenty dollars there. Yeah, I think that was there. Yeah, it's expensive area. And it's like 
I, I don't know what to say. It's like it shows on- what that direct investment does. I mean, you look. So what? What a lot of the what China did and what the U.S. and Russia did in the past was exploit the natural resources of Africa. But if we can instead invest in their natural resources, invest in their companies to extract those natural resources, create financial institutions, and build their infrastructure, we can create trade agreements between them. We can create trade agreements between financial institutions where we trade monies, you know, whatever uh, country we're trading with, we trade in their dollar, in the American dollar. It creates a whole system. So we have to invest in their natural resources uh, for them to be able to extract things like oil or cobalt or lithium um, or diamonds that they have in, in abundance in Africa, especially in Western Africa. And if we do that, that is the next big step in Africa to create wealth and give power back to the people is by creating wealth. Yep. And I'm not saying let's go put American drilling oil companies or European drilling. Let the, yeah. let us invest in their companies. Exactly. And in return, let them sell it. And we say, for example, let's say I own an oil company right here in the United States. I'm going to use some of my money and buy a stake into another oil company in Africa, right? Maybe I'll offer – maybe I'll say like 30 or 40 percent stake and I want 30 percent, 40 percent of the profits and they can keep 70 percent. They can keep doing what they're doing and I'll keep funding them. I'll keep funding them and it's their work. It's their company, their labor. Let them do the work. I don't want any involvement in it. We don't need to be greedy here because – the return on investment is practically almost massive. unlimited. It's, it's so, massive. We don't need to be putting getting a hundred percent of that. Thirty or forty percent no. is fine. Twenty percent is fine, bro. Twenty percent, twenty percent could do just as much because you look at you look at the the resources that they have that are untapped, especially when you look at the minerals because they are cobalt is the basis of everything that we have. Your TV, your computer, mm-hmm. your iPhone. Is cobalt. If you don't have cobalt, that doesn't exist. That's period. Statement done. Most of that's in Africa. Uh, Another big chunk of it's in the Middle East, but most of it is in Africa. And if we're able to build their institutions and their uh, infrastructure to a point where they can extract it through their own companies and trade it and sell it, uh, I mean, Apple is going to have billions of dollars. The U.S. is going to have billions of dollars. Microsoft. NVIDIA, billions and billions of dollars are going to come their way when they get access to those materials. Absolutely. And it's like we can also bring manufacturing jobs to Africa as well. Here's my other theory, right? Free trade zones in Africa. Think of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's – It'd be let them handle the mining. Let them – let the African companies do it. We we shouldn't have to intervene. Let them do it. In exchange – we can also set up free trade zones in different African kind of like coastal lines where they where we bring in whatever we need to build in that region, in that little zone, where for, for those that don't know, a free trade zone is kind of like an area in which it's kind of defined by the country in which you can manufacture for almost practically for almost for free. Nothing. Yeah, for nothing. Depends on what the what they decided the business yeah. or the country to con- whatever their uh, collective what, what they collective bargain to 
and have it where there's a system in which, okay, I don't want to deal with tariffs because you either you need to bring those in. You buy those materials from Africa. You need to bring it in back to your country to start manufacturing. Let's go set up a free trade zone there. Cut the cost of manufacturing. Bring more African jobs there. And now, now we've increased our labor. We've made manufacturing cheaper. And I'm not saying that we should just use up cheap labor. Pay them a very good wage. Very good wage as well. The, the type of wage that we would pay for, like in the United States, for a manufacturing job. Absolutely. Because, again... The ROI is going to be ridiculous. We have all the materials we need all in a train car's length. We don't need to ship it by water. We don't need we don't need air freight. And it cuts the cost of manufacturing cheap. And we can pay them a little more. There comes the greed. There's going to be corporations that are going to be greedy. But I think a free trade zone in Africa by the coast will be amazing for stabilizing Africa. Because they don't yeah. want to risk losing that, that free trade zone. They exactly. Can't. And one thing is, is that there's not too many countries that are truly developed in Africa, uh, excluding Egypt. Well, Egypt is iffy, but Nigeria and in South Africa, if we could create trade deals with those two countries, show the advantages. And we have some, obviously. We, we, we definitely probably trade for minerals like diamonds. We probably trade for grain in South Africa and nuclear energy. But we should increase those deals and prove to the rest of the African Union the benefits of working with countries like the United States, with countries in the EU, Japan, South Korea, India. Show the benefits. What's going to happen if you do this? The return on the investment for you and us, and it will draw other countries to also invest, but it will also draw other African Union members to try and attract trade deals and investment from foreigners. To increase their their capital, increase their income, their GDPs, their infrastructure, everything. Absolutely, uh, we need we kind of we do need that, and I think we need to do some trial runs before we go in the entirety of Africa and say this is what we're going to do to all of you. Let's just work on one to two countries, and then it'll have a domino effect. So I do fully agree um, with that. What was I going to say? I think. The next thing I want to talk about is to stabilize Africa, is strengthening the African Union in general. Yes, yes, yes. And Centralizing the African Union. <laughs> and I know you <laughs> love talking about this, um, but strengthening the African Union, what do I mean by this? Think of it as like how the EU kind of operates, right? They are a strengthened economic union, is what they are. And they have their kind of their national policies but economically they're integrated and i'm yeah. thinking what if we can apply the same model the same eu model and have the same african union model it's not far-fetched it's not but no. the politics have to somewhat align because eu politics are i would say 50 50 it's at the end of the day there's national policies but they also have to be aligned with the with the rest of the europe so i think it's not far-fetched, but there is some work to do where we can align politics. But yeah. I think we can align economics because all African countries have one goal, and it's to improve their economies. So we can that, – that part of, of an African Union model, uh, EU model with the African Union can be possible. We're just missing one thing, and it's politics. Yeah. 
Well, one of the, the great advantages, I think, I think personally, the great advantage is that the African Union has that the EU doesn't have is that they have a peacekeeping force. There is a military backed by the African Union. Now, why do I say that this? I think this is better for the African Union because one of the biggest destabilization factors of the African Union right now, terrorism, coups. Those are two things that require, unfortunately, military action. The problem is, is that the African Union does not deploy those soldiers enough in these coups. Now, peacekeepers are important because UN peacekeepers are there to keep peace. They are not there to fire. They are not there to start war. That's how the African Union should be treating their soldiers. So in the cases of a coup, let's say it turns – let's say if it's like the recent coup in Gabon. No violence. It's something that the people wanted. It was a military coup, but it, there's no violence. The point of the African Union peacekeepers is to send diplomats and soldiers to make sure the violence doesn't occur and to hold stable elections, work with diplomatic resolutions to create stable elections. But on the flip side of the coin, in extremist violence and also military coups that do occur in violence, their peacekeepers are there to stop the violence. They're not very much, they're not used at all in many cases. In, in Nigeria and Gabon, the African Union hasn't been deployed yet. And not, not, not Nigeria, Niger. They have not been deployed yet. That is a big issue. There's no centralized power within the African Union. If you centralize that power, the African Union can send those soldiers, create peace, send diplomats, hold elections, and create a diplomatic institution or a, a democratic institution. Absolutely. And I think to stabilize, to continue stabilizing Africa, right, and to strengthen the AU and to solve economic issues is education. The only way that we're going to teach the African Union to learn about how the – if we're going to model the EU, if we're going to centralize African Union power, we need to do it in a way where it's fair and free. The only way to do it is to, to educate our people, especially for economics as well. Education is very important. Without it, we're going to have – it just wouldn't work. And yeah. how are we going to educate the African people? How do we create better educational institutions? And it's there's two ways, exchange programs and bringing in or building better schools in Africa. And it's not far-fetched. We can invest in the educational system because that just means we have more skilled laborers. Should we invest – should we – are we investing? And we're also teaching them things about political science and international relations that we can bring to the school to learn more about the African Union, how to strengthen it, and things like that. And I think the youth are the only pathway forward because with what we have now, I don't think it's sustainable. We cannot have yeah. any more dynasties. We cannot have more coups overthrowing. We need more of an enhanced youth voice, and the only way we're going to enhance their voice and is to, one, educate them, and two, put them in positions of power in the African Union. Yeah, and, and, and that goes into one of my, my big points is creating strong institutions. Mm. And, you know, education is an institution. I, I totally agree. We, we The United States should invest in sending their universities to build college campuses on their in, – in African countries so that exchange students from America can go to um, 
Africa and vice versa. African students can go to America, but also we need to invest in the most important part is primary education because secondary education is, it is what it is. You know, not, you don't always need secondary education in this day, but we do need primary education. We need people to understand how to do two plus two, to do math, to learn science, to understand their history, to understand their government. That's so important when a youth is educated the youth can then take the power and they can then create the democratic institutions make the investments that are necessary create the technological advances that are necessary to advance their societies and this could also strengthen their federal government by having this education we need to be able to have a federal government in their countries that isn't corrupt, that isn't taking the people's money or using their country's natural resources, like in Gabon, for example, to buy $92 million worth of property in France. You know, that's that's not what we want. We want them to be serving their people, the Gabonese people. That's what we need to do, and education stems with creating these strong institutions. We have to start at the primary educational level. And this stems into one of my points, which is good governance and democracy. It's, yeah. It all starts with education, and we also need in Africa a good checks and balance system. The way we can kind of model it off of the United States' federal checks and balance systems. I don't see why we can be as – I don't know if, how experimental we can be with with Africa because I, I, I most importantly want them to, to be able to have their choice in how they want to govern. But they yes. should also have it where we can offer them guidelines on how to govern, what we can offer. Here's what we think you should do. Then I just put it right in front of the yeah. chair. <laughs> but then what we should do, we should let them kind of decide with what to do with the guidelines. We should have the African Union should have a checks and balance system in which where if a state is going through a member state is going through something, then there needs yeah. to be a, a set of what a, a what do I want to say? This a process in which they follow to remedy the situation. And yeah. the only way we do that is through checks and balances. The African Union should have a set amount of powers, and African member states should have a set amount of power. It's almost like combining the UN, the EU, and how the United States is federal system all into one. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's just how uh, democracy. This is. Almost like it because it's uh, it's checks and balances. We're all democracies around the world. You look at the EU, any other democracy, they have some sort of checks and balance system, even if it's not clear in our clear in their face, like how we have in the United States, where it's clear we have a checks and balance system because we have this, this, and this. They have kind of like their own background way of doing it. I think we need to create, well, provide guidelines for how to yeah. create that check on a government. Yeah, and that, that that's it, that's an important step in that direction one of those things that can help change that direction with having good governance too is showing the african union like the eu that could african union can create its own policy as an african union whole the eu has immigration guidelines it has economic policy it has technological technological policy the eu has foreign policy the african union needs to take that approach Mm -hmm. Where they're trying to be like a one government with you know several different entities, where they have an immigration policy, they have a foreign policy, they have technology and economic policies. Those are important uh, steps that they need to have. 
in in creating even in their own government because if the African Union can do it as a whole, then you know they can see that the country level can do it as well. Policy can dwindle down. You know, a lot of the times when EU makes policy, most of the times EU member states take on that policy and make it their own. I also want to add, I just I was just writing this idea down because I was going to forget, but I think to even further strengthen the checks and balance systems of the AU should go even further than just checking and balancing within themselves, but to also check and balance the rest of the world. And they should not be afraid. The African Union should have the power and not be afraid to dispel foreign involvement, like foreign companies, foreign businesses, foreign uh, – that's – same thing foreign foreign countries is what i meant to say or foreign corporations <laughs> if they're trying to take if they see that they can are taking advantage of their resources or taking advantage of their country they should have a, a some sort of like statue or some sort of kind of thing where it's like we as the au see that your foreign investment foreign whatever it is intervention is harming our this country's sovereignty and here's how we're going to remedy this because we're, yeah. what we're saying is we should create this, uh, provide guidelines for this, this, and this. But we should also create a system where the African Union says no. Like, yes, we believe we should also do this, this, and this. And I think you're overstepping. And I think that should be binding to any to any country. It's yes, it's because how they could they they should be able to dispel China and say no. You what you're doing is completely wrong, and you're taking advantage of us. But they can't because one, they're stuck in a debt trap, and two, China is going to look at it and, and they're going to be like, the African Union is trying to tell me. Yeah, the African Union is trying to tell you to get yeah. out. And I think they should <laughs> have that power and they shouldn't be afraid of just just because it's China. They should yeah. have that power. They should not be afraid. It's their territorial sovereignty. It goes back to the UN Charter. Territorial sovereignty. This is yeah. my, my territory. These are my resources. You're lucky enough I'm letting you to be in my country. But the UN Charter yeah. says this. So we're going to uphold it or we're going not to and you're going to leave if you're not going yeah. to. The, the power of autonomy is, is very important. And the African Union needs to, to realize that. They, need to, they also need to understand that they need to look more at fair deals with autonomy. They have to look at China exploited them. They have to be more cognizant of fair deals. Um, and, and I think that that would be important. Autonomy is going to be their next big step in, in you know, thinking for themselves, working for themselves, working for their personal interests, as mm -hmm. well as trying to focus on African Union interests um, as a whole. But uh, the, ne the next thing I want to kind of segue into, and this is the last point that I have personally, is military intervention. And this one is very controversial. Um, the United States and EU have very, you know, bad history in, in military intervention, obviously within the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. So why would, should we intervene in Africa militarily? Well, the biggest issue in Africa right now is that terrorism is very, very, very high. Extremism is very, very high. Al-Qaeda affiliate groups are everywhere. Al-Shabaab is the largest organization in Africa, one of the largest organizations in the world. Boko Haram is one of the most dangerous uh, in the world. And there's even more. There, there's ISIS, there's this, this, uh, this group called the Lord's Resistance Army, the Shabaab Nusrat al-Islam, 
there, and there's there's even more that I didn't even bother writing down because there's so many. The Horn is one of the most dangerous places on the in the world, even though it's a very very important area for trade. It's one of the most dangerous places in the world. Military intervention is key. Now, my military now the military intervention we know of the past should not be Americans sending Marines in boots on the ground to go in there and take out these terrorists. That is a bad idea because one, we already know as, as Americans that we're going to want to lead and not listen to what the African country in African Union wants to say. But two, because it just looks bad. It looks like we're invading their territory, which is going to have more people join the extremist side. So what the United States and, and, and the rest of the world needs to do is invest in looking in using CIA, MI6, and SEAL teams and, and, and special operations to work with local police and obviously the military to take down these organizations one by one. Cut off the heads of the snakes or, or start at the bottom, go to the top. Take them out without public eye. If, if U.S. Navy SEALs take out a leader in a, of a terrorist organization in Africa, that credit has to go to the African military. The United States needs to be, and the rest of those countries that join in, if the EU or any other countries want to join, need to be left out of the situation. We need to help. We need to go in there and take out the guys from the bottom up or the top down, whichever the approach they think is the best. But using military intervention in terms of special forces to also train their soldiers and train local police on how to take down extremism and stop extremism through youth engagement programs like education and, and sports are going to be the steps to stop these groups from growing because Al-Shabaab estimated to have over like thirty to 40,000 members. And that is significant. There's over, like, I think 200,000 extremists in the country. And that is a lot. Yep. Or in, the, in, the, in, the, in the continent, not the, mm. the country. I think most importantly is training that African military. I, I'm, I don't know how I feel about putting special ops on the ground. But if we put special ops on the ground in the sole purpose of training African leaders, African military uh, leaders, I think that could be a viable option. Um, because it kind of, without protection and without eliminating these these terrorist threats, we can't do anything of what we said. We can't. Yeah. And putting, you're right, we have to do something about it if we want, with the consent of the African countries, of course. Yes, but I think that we need that in a mix of like economic persuasion, where it's like you yep. can have this, but we need to do this first, and then you can have all of these. And if promises aren't kept, there should be some sort of just thing where it's like the African countries, and I don't know what we can, what they can do to kind of like say well, if promises aren't kept, but that would be up to like a collective bargaining situation. Where yeah. it's like, here's what the U.S. will do. Here's what country A from the West, I don't know, any country is going to do. We're going to come in here. We'll help you take care of these. And in exchange, we will use some of our resources, our money, whatever you need, as grants for building up whatever infrastructure, whatever. It's, 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 it's a tricky process to get started. It's very tricky. And like you said, 
special ops and military co covert military is probably the only way that we can yeah. do this should be the only way because we should not be flaunting that we have american troops in africa at all no it it, it should be something that's a secret deal that they work together with the consent of the African nation to help deal with these extremist and terrorist threats. Because again, like you said, it is hindering a lot of the development within Africa and what we can do in Africa, like investing in those countries, uh, especially in terms of infrastructure, because if we build infrastructure projects and then a terrorist group blows it up, we have to start from the next, we have to start all over again. Yep. And and not not that we don't want to do that because we want Africa to prosper, but that is a very difficult situation to ask a foreign government to restart again and reinvest in something when the, their government was not able to fully handle and stop and destroy the threat. Right. And one last thing I want to add before we uh, end this episode is I want to talk about digitization. Ah, um, that's a good one. The the last thing we need is to as we're building right all this infrastructure and all that is not provide the technology to maintain it ai is flying there's a bunch of ai tools anyone could use on the internet people are creating their own ai tools to manage to do whatever it is we don't need to teach these african the the people of africa right and these african countries which is regular white collar jobs. Why no. we should we should just teach them ways in how to use and leverage AI and things like that. They should just jump straight to the bat, have training lessons, teach them everything they need to know about running a business with AI. AI has made running a lot of things much easier. AI is a fantastic tool, and these African countries, along with the people of Africa, need to know things about AI and and teaching them how to use it if we're going to yeah. put them on for local jobs. And I think that's a very important process is as we're building up is also learning how is teaching everyone how to digitize. I agree. S things like STEM technology is the future. Oh, absolutely. And if they can get ahead of that early on, you know, it could be, it could set like a, a, a domino effect of just growth in those yep. areas because and I know. The, yeah, go ahead. I, I just know that I was going to say, I know there's a, a bunch of bright minds in Africa that don't have the access to go ahead and do research programs or go to big university. I know there's a bunch of smart, smart young people that deserve to have a chance to, to go into a STEM program at a prestigious university. And I think we need to bring those types of people to light immediately. Absolutely. And, and, and that, that calls as well as there's a lot of smart business leaders that need, you know, business coaches and consultants to help coach these young, young business leaders on how to grow their businesses and put them on the world stage or just keep them as a domestic growth. That's, that's another important part to this. And digitization can be a really big help if they can take Zoom classes on business and, and, and Zoom classes on computer science. That is, that'll be very, very useful, and we, we have to obviously have the infrastructure to give to them, but yeah, that, that's that's very big and important factor in, in educating the youth and educating Africans. Yep, absolutely. I ran out of talking points. Yeah, uh, I think we went over <laughs> like like seven, seven different things to really help change what 
should be a prospering Africa. It, it, the, the country is a beautiful, or the, the, the continent is a beautiful place with beautiful peoples that, like I said in the beginning, deserve a chance to grow and become the developed. And, and no I longer think these be are the ways. To, to Russia's Wagner and no longer be subject to China's just imperialism. Yeah. I, I, even, even now, right, they don't even want Western countries. They don't want people like France. They don't want those types of countries in in Africa, and I fully agree. I think They're we afraid. need to let them figure out what they want to do following whatever. We'll create the guidelines. We'll create the battle plans for them. They choose what they want, and if they want to side with countries that aren't aligned with the West, so be it. As long as yeah. they have some sort of economic return on investment in where their people are going to strive. But in my opinion, I, they're not going to strive partnering with China. They're not going to strive partnering with Russia. And I think the West needs to do much better. Much, much better. I, agree. I think we need more Middle Eastern countries, countries like the UAE, countries like Saudi Arabia, Qatar. Those are the types of countries that should be leading this. Not the yeah. West. I think we need more Middle Eastern involvement because they are the ones that have not kind of taken advantage of Africa in any way. Yeah. And they and countries like the UAE and Saudi Arabia, they have these technologies that are coming out. Look at the way they're investing. And I think they should be at the forefront of creating uh, policies with the help of the West. Of course, I think there should be some sort of dialogue between um teaching countries on how to govern through whether it be through traditional methods or through democratic and more democratic and liberal methods, whatever they want to choose, as long as the people are making money and the people are living a healthy and free lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. There needs to be more awareness about what the world has done to Africa, what the world is currently doing to Africa and how, the world needs to fix uh, um, what is going on and how we need to help them. We need to invest in them. We need to trust them and we need to believe in them and their capabilities. And I think if we can do all those things, there is endless, endless, endless opportunities and endless things that the African people and their nations can do um, in the future. Absolutely. Great. So that's it. Thank you all for watching, watching, listening, wherever you are um, to this week's uh, topic of the week. We hope you enjoyed it, and please uh, follow us on all our social medias, uh, and please visit our website, www.ngfnews.com. You'll find a bunch of articles, everything you need. All right. Take care.